0: What is holiness? And is holiness something we can all achieve? How do we live a holy lifestyle? Join us today as we explore these questions and many more with Matt Lozano from Heart of the Father Ministries. I'm Father Dave Pavonka and I'm president of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavanka, and I'm president of Franciscan University of Steubenville. And today we're discussing God's beautiful invitation to be both holy and free. I'm joined by our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin, who is a professor of systematic theology here at Franciscan University, and Dr. Scott Hahn, the Father Michael Scanlon Professor of Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization here at Franciscan. I'm also pleased to welcome um, Matt Lozano. Matt is the director of training for the Heart of the Father Ministries and co-author of the book, Unbound Ministry Guidebook and Abba's Heart, is also the author of Free to Be Holy, Discovering Who You Are in Christ. Uh, it's a wonderful book that we were looking forward to be able to discuss today, but maybe just a little bit, where do you come from? What's your story? Particularly, why did you write this book? And I love your ministry, so I'd love for you to talk a little <laughs> bit about that.
1: Sure. So uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Uh, I've been married for 22 years to my wife, Jennifer. We have five children. Um, So I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a teacher. I was a public school teacher for 12 years. And for the last 12 years, I've been working as the director of training for Heart of the Father Ministries. And Heart of the Father is known around the world for uh, equipping the church with Unbound, which is a ministry of healing and freedom, which helps people to grasp a hold of the freedom that Jesus has won for them in those areas in their life where they've been stuck. And so we equip churches uh, and parishes throughout the world to be able to use uh, this model uh, for healing and deliverance and um, to be able to really bring people to the Father. That's why we're called Heart of the Fathers, so that people can experience the Father's love.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the great blessings. You've obviously been on campus and your dad many times, and I, I can't tell you the number of people that I've run into over the last many, many years that have been really touched by that ministry and experienced a great grace and freedom from
1: that. Thanks. Was it something
0: that you were always, the Lord was always close to you, or is that something that you came to later?
1: Um, So I was raised a Catholic. Um, I grew up uh, going to church with my parents. They they raised me in the faith. Uh, A key moment for me was in high school. I had kind of drifted from my faith, and I... Uh, heard a gospel presentation through an organization called Young Life, uh, an evangelical organization. And uh, for some reason, it really it really struck me as a challenge uh, to give my life completely to, to the Lord. So I was uh, in high school, high school uh, senior, 1995, August 15th. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I remember talking to a friend and I said, I wanna give my life completely to the Lord. And, and I, I prayed a prayer of surrender and that's when I really became a disciple, mm-hmm. a lifelong disciple, and it's been an adventure ever since.
2: Were you at a Young Life camp or what was the...
1: I had just returned from a Young Life camp up in uh, Lake Saranac. Saranac, yeah. So, I was on so staff for three, three years. So probably went to all yeah. yeah. those. Right, right. Yeah, Well, did, you know. did, the, did the Blessed Mother figure in that flashpoint at all because it well, happened on her feasting? Yeah, it, it, it did. So the, it was the Feast of the Assumption. And, and the funny thing was my dad was praying a novena for me. Oh, that's great. Home. And Dads are the best. This is typical teenager. I didn't want to tell him right away because I wanted to make sure it was real. <laughs> like this yeah, is my boy. conversion. Yeah. So I waited another day yeah. and he had just finished praying that novena for me and he'd just gotten into bed and I pop in, open open the door and I say, hey dad, I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> and he was like, I'm starting your brother's novena tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know,
2: I just had a conversation with our son Gabriel uh, recently and he shared with me something that I never knew. And that is, the date of his adult conversion, and he was barely a teenager, you know. And I think it's an encouraging note for Catholic parents to hear yeah. that there has to be a kind of personal experience whereby you own it. It doesn't have to be just one, but it has to be. That's right. And I think it's encouraging to recognize that even if you know, even if your kids are going to Catholic school or going to Catholic, you know whatever organizations and mass, that kind of thing. Yeah. God is free to work by other means as well, including yeah. Young Life, Dr. Yeah. Bob Rice. Of course, and, of course, well, yeah. I'm
3: surprised that you had to wait until you were a teenager because in the book you reveal that at age 10, yeah. you apparently had taken possession of the entire Bible mm-hmm. and yeah. proclaimed in front of a huge community
1: yeah. that you loved this book. Yeah. So yeah. what happened? Uh, middle school happened. <laughs> 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 you know, it. it there... Can be a crisis of identity: sure. of do do I want to be a, a believer, a follower of Jesus? Do I want to be cool? Do I want to be accepted? And um, gradually, I just got lost. Yeah. You know, I, it was it was a lot of things that were just kind of latent in me sure. that once I made that decision about the Savior and that He was going to be Lord of my life, yeah. it was like everything came out. So my young life leaders were very much like, "Where did you come from?" Because. All of these good things that had been put in me were just suddenly coming. That's
0: what I was thinking, Matt, is that the the work of your parents and their you know, ministering to you, catechizing you, evangelizing you was there. And, mm-hmm. and that's, I think the reality is the fact that you were even wrestling with that Says that your parents have done something right. Yeah. And there was a real gift of that.
3: Well, yeah. oh, he must have mounted a great many novenas yeah. on your behalf.
0: Yeah. But what a, I mean, somewhat of a side note, but what a sweet thing for a father to hear to have you yeah. know, his teenage son open the door. It gets yeah. emotional almost and says, Dad, I just gave my life to Christ. Yeah. It must have been a special yeah. moment for him. Yeah. So, all the moms
2: and dads out there, uh, right. be at peace, be at peace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it also highlights the fact that from 10 years old to whatever you were, 15, Uh, conversion was still ongoing, you know, because I can trace my conversion back to when I was 14. Mm -hmm. But once you come to understand drifting, I've drifted many times. (laughs) Conversion is lifelong, but it also has to be constant. Yeah.
1: And how long was St. Augustine in that state of Right, Drift and turmoil, and, turmoil yeah. and, yeah, not and sometimes... he was about thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Monica was praying uh, yeah.
3: unremittingly yeah. for that guy. Now we do no Venus to Monica. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Of course, Saint Thomas Aquinas was only five when he first yeah. said, "What is God?" That was the question he would put to, yeah. to strangers. I don't think he ever stopped looking yeah. uh, for an
1: answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, he's the exception. I yeah. don't think yeah. he had any lapses at all. And we all have these we all have these stories of God's grace reaching into our hearts and changing our lives and and we we see the interventions of the Lord. Um, But then when it comes to parenting our own children, we think, oh, well, I've got to do everything right and make it happen for them. And for my dad, it was like, I don't care if it's Young Life. I don't care if it's whoever's speaking into your life. Yeah. I just want you to know Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, for, for me, I, I have uh, Young Life campaigners in our home. We have Bible study every Friday. Yeah. And um, I'm delighted that other people are pursuing my yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, almost anything can become a catalyzing agent. I mean, even pain
3: can be a yeah. certain yeah. school of sure. sanctity. Sure.
0: I think especially as you said, it was late. And if, if that grace, if the seeds of grace have been planted something else nourishes that it, it's ultimately gonna to bring to life. So that's, yep. so. Um, you obviously read a book, Matt, that was really wonderful on holiness. At, the, at that time, let's say as an 18 year old kid and coming to Christ as savior, was at that time you understood that you were being invited to a life of holiness or is that something that developed over time?
1: Wow, um, I knew that I was being invited to be a disciple. Okay, and, and it was actually something someone said to me. He said, following Jesus is gonna cost you everything. Hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm intrigued. Yeah, you <laughs> you know, tell me the, more. I would never heard that growing up, you know? And so I knew that there was a challenge. I knew that there was, there was something higher that I was being called to, but I really had no idea what, yeah. what a life of holiness would look like, yeah. you know? And it was, it was over many years that I discovered what yeah. it would look like.
3: You know, that, that line that you just cited, costing you everything, yeah. uh, reminds me of, of the final passage in T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, Little Gidding, when he says, A condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than everything. And all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. We know that it costs our Lord everything, the purchase of our salvation, the bloody cross. Mm -hmm. But it does cost us everything as well, if we're serious about following in His footsteps, Mm -hmm. as apparently uh,
2: you've proven yourself to be. You know, I think it's important uh, to discover that God is holy, at least it was for me. At the age of 14, I had that conversion, young life and all of that. And then, you know, I think it was Dr. R.C. Sproul who was doing the idea, you know, the holiness of God. And you alone are holy. You know, as a good Protestant, the thought that I could be holy never crossed my mind. I mean, that I'm called to be holy, that eventually he'll get around to doing it, you know. But the holiness of God was something life changing. I mean, he deserves my praise. He deserves everything I've got. But again, the thought that he could make me holy—that mm-hmm. was like the Grand Canyon. You know, yeah. <laughs> which evil can evil could not even jump. You know, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. it really is freeing. But freedom comes in stages, and I think that's what we.
3: I, I, I think for everybody, the 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 great breakthrough is when you realize uh, holiness is, is not a self-help. Of enterprise. It's not something I do. Yeah. It's rather someone I receive. And I, I think you, you make that very clear, very compelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think that's one of the things you do beautifully, Matt, is is you break that down. That first off, the idea of holy maybe talk about that for a moment. Sure. The idea of holiness, because we have this image of what it is to be holy. Um, and we've talked about this before, is that it's it's the call to every baptized Catholic mm-hmm. it is to be holy. So it's evident that it's going to look different. Mm-hmm. But we have a tendency, you talk a little about, we compare and, yeah. and that becomes a problem.
1: Yeah, so the reason I wrote the book was in encountering lots of different believers, almost none of them believe that they're holy. If I asked you, are you holy? Right. They would say, yeah. well, I'm not. I hope to be someday. I'd like someday. to be, right. Like right. To be. Yeah. maybe I'll never be holy. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem. That's very problematic uh, because we need to become identified with the righteousness of Jesus that lives in us. And it's through our baptism that we, we become holy. Um, and so people had almost negative perceptions of holiness. It's, a, it's an unreachable horizon. It's a never ending task. It's a, it's a reason why I'm a disappointment. Uh, for some say, people it's the no say, fun club.
0: And you say you're never good enough. Right. That you're ne- and that that's a, it goes with your freedom, that's a burden to carry. If you never feel like you're going to quite measure up, you just give up.
1: Yep. And so what I want people to get from this book is an understanding of what Jesus has done to make them holy and to build from that foundation. Because really there's two two approaches to holiness that are dead ends. One is pride. I can do it myself. It's an accomplishment. Uh, I'll rely on my strengths. And then the other is shame which is a sense of despair. I'm not good enough, I'm worthless, I'm a lousy sinner, and we're identifying with our flesh rather than with Christ in us. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, there is an interior act of kenosis. Obviously, Jesus' self-emptying that Paul writes about in the Christ hymn has to be replicated in us so that the question, am I holy, I think in some ways isn't the wrong question, but it isn't exactly the right one, mm-hmm. you know. Because if holiness is extracting us from ourselves mm-hmm. so that we will belong to God and love God, yeah. then it seems to me that. Um, the saints aren't looking in the mirror every day and saying, yep, I'm, I'm holy, and I'm holier than <laughs> yeah. I was yesterday and yeah. whether people know it or not. Too. Yeah, right. But I mean, what they're doing is not looking at themselves, they're looking at Jesus. Yeah, and they're open to the Holy Spirit and not to the self-help right. approach that you yeah. point out. That would be yeah. presumptuous. But on the other hand, I think most people fall into the opposite error of despair. Yeah. That is, because of my shame, because of my feelings, I could never be holy. And it's like, God would say, excuse me, you know, (laughs) am I not all powerful in my love? So So that, that I think is really an excellent point. I mean, you think of Peter walking on
3: the water. Mm -hmm. As long as he's fixed on Jesus, he can do it. But the moment he looks down as if to preen himself on my success, I'm I'm skimming the surface, I'm not gonna slip through, what a great guy I am, he falls, he stumbles. You've gotta remain fixated upon Christ. So you don't think about how holy you are, you think about him.
0: Right. And you talk about that, Matt, this sense of, to the point, when we compare, we either make ourselves better than that person. So I'm living a yeah. life of holiness because I'm a lot better than the neighbor because we know what they did, right. or I'm <laughs> not as good as, yep. but that's the wrong. We, we compare ourselves to Jesus. Yeah. That, that's the invitation I think you give us in the book, that he's the model,
1: he's the measure of holiness. That's for right. Us. So my definition of holiness, I would say is a lifestyle of availability to God. Yeah. It is the adventure of discovering who you are in Christ, and it's choosing what's best over and over again, so right. that the deepest yeah. desires of our hearts can be yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. And so it's not a matter of becoming something that you are not. Right. It's a matter of living out what you already, already are. What you yeah. already are in Christ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is the same for freedom, which we'll talk more about. But we are free, and we're becoming more free. Right. We are. We have been converted, yeah. and we are continually being converted. It's this. It's this process that we find ourselves yeah. continually.
3: This attitude of availability, and that's a, a nice uh, uh, construction you've given it, is, is what the, the spiritual writers call disponibility, mm-hmm. an openness, a kind of Marian readiness, yeah. uh, a receptivity, a virginal willingness to, to serve, to follow, to imitate. And you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking entirely about the beloved. He alone matters, and I'm following him. Yeah. It's sort of like falling in love. I mean, you don't constantly ask yourself, how am I doing? Right. Am I really pleasing her? Yeah. Forget about it. You just please her by doing everything, whatever she tells you. Yeah. You just do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I, I draw a distinction between being holy and holiness. Being holy is who you are because of the blood of Jesus. And holiness is the lifestyle that's appropriate. And I use an illustration from marriage. So 22 years ago, I entered into a covenant, I entered into a state of being called married. (laughs) At no point during those 22 years did my wife look at me and say, you really weren't married today. (laughs) (laughs) I was married all of those days. Some of those days I lived out my vows very well. Some days I didn't. And yet I was still still married. And so a lifestyle of holiness doesn't make you holy, it reveals
4: that you are holy. Hold on
0: to that, and we'll talk more about holiness, so stay with us.
4: Let's hear from other voices at Franciscan University of Steubenville
5: I think a holy lifestyle is basically just um, being open to God, recognizing that He comes to you first, and so we just have to accept Him, accept the grace He offers, because it's gonna come one way or another, um, and that's recognizing where that's easiest for us, so that's in in prayer, and seeking him
4: in the sacraments. Walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. You'll explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage in the Holy Land, Poland, France, Austria, Italy, and more destinations. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're discussing holiness and what does it look like and what is it not. I mean, let's just pick up, I think, Matt, where we left off, and that was that this idea of holiness is a lifestyle. It's it's not just a day, but it's it's the invitation of how we live the spiritual life, how we live our life before the Lord.
1: Yeah, so holiness is really an invitation to discover who we've been created to be, and in particular, who, who we've been invited to be through our baptism. Yeah. Um, and so, there really is, there is a process of discipleship, of learning. You know, we, we learn Christ, um, right. but yeah. there's also uh, this process of grace, unveiling who we are in Christ, and and helping us to live and to act according to who we are in Him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that, you, you talk about some of the stumbling blocks that that don't allow us to see that, don't allow us to experience that. So talk about some of the, I think that was one of the things I think your book is really good. It's really practical. It, mm-hmm. it, it fleshes things out that you say, oh my gosh, that's obvious. Or, or I have that in my life and to be able to identify. So some of the stumbling blocks that are there.
1: So uh, some of the things that we, we struggle with are false views about God. Um, so he's not a good father. He's mm-hmm. really the root of all of our sin um, that we can't trust him. Um, some of it we would call idols, which would be attachments. I need this in my life. I, I, this is the source of my strength. This is what I must right. consult. Yeah. Um, and, and there's that, always that temptation to save ourselves, yeah. always that desire yeah. uh, to bring about a victory in our lives through our own yeah. strength.
3: You, you quote Therese, the little flower, and that wonderful text of hers that, that demonstrates how blessedly free she is of any sense of self. Yeah. That her way to God is like an elevator yeah. and the arms of God are the elevator lifting her up. And all she has to do is relax, surrender, yeah. let him do everything, just become small. Yeah. It's not my doing, it's his doing, and I'm grateful. Yeah,
1: That's there's holiness. There's a paradox that the more we learn to lean on God's grace yeah. and trust him completely yeah. and trust completely what he's done, yeah. that we are then empowered and enabled to do more right so the yeah. citizens of uh Montgomery during the bus boycotts they would get together every night and they would sing leaning on the everlasting arms yeah. Yeah. even as they're they're engaged in this glorious struggle right they're recognizing that the strength and the power comes from him alone yeah,
0: yeah. and that's beautiful you really you speak so beautifully about that is that holiness is God's operations in me and and I, I love how you said it in, in the last segment about just making myself available like I For me, that's what prayer is. Sometimes I go in my mind's a million places, but I'm available, I'm here. And I think the Lord delights in that. So this just showing up, right? Holiness is just really showing up and making yourself present to the Lord.
3: Well, you have that other uh, really splendid quote from Catherine of Siena. If you become whom God intended you to be, you will set the world on fire. That's a wonderful metaphor. You
0: talk, Matt, about this process of of the Lord doing that, and you use a beautiful image of the blood of Jesus and what that does, how that becomes the, the healing for our soul. So maybe yeah. speak a little bit about that. I think that was a really beautiful part. Sure.
1: So in my earliest understanding of the gospel, I knew that Jesus died for me. And it was very much, uh, you know, Jesus had paid the penalty for my sin. He had taken the punishment. And over time, I began to understand the value of what Jesus offered when he offered his blood oh. and that he offered obedience unto death, not just violence, not just death, but obedience unto death. And one of the things I would say was that Jesus died for me, but now I've come to understand that Jesus died as me. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus took on flesh, he took on humanity, he offered God what we could not, which was humanity offered in perfect love. And, And that restores and breaks the power of sin and provides, through, through faith and baptism, the means of receiving not just His righteousness but also uh, sanctification. Baptism is a bath that yeah. cleanses, justifies, and sanctifies. The Catechism says that.
2: You know, that radical identification that Christ makes of Himself with us, yeah. you know, it's like the prelude to the Passover where the blood of the Lamb redeems, yeah. Israel is the declaration at the burning bush, go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. It's like, pause. Now, I thought you had one eternal firstborn son. Well, yeah, we're not confusing things. We're just seeing how Jesus radically identifies himself with his chosen people so that the exodus unfolds just like conversion as a series of movements. I mean, Mm -hmm. Israel might have thought of it only in terms of getting out of Egypt, you know, getting out of bondage, Mm -hmm. you know, basically freedom from Mm -hmm. the Pharaoh. Whereas, no, it's like a beckoning. You disconnect with Egypt and the false gods, but you reconnect with me at Mount Sinai. But even that's not the end of the story any more than a wedding ceremony. It's the beginning of a new story, crossing the wilderness, entering the promised land, conquering the promised land, and then building the temple. This is like holiness the crown of holiness, yeah. and yet it takes nearly five hundred years, you know. Yeah. And I think this is why Paul speaks of freedom. You know, the Greek word Eleutheria is the one he almost invariably employs as the freedom of the children of God. Mm-hmm. Not just the freedom of those who have been emancipated from, mm-hmm. but there really is a sense in which if Christ identifies himself with us, mm-hmm. what's the only reasonable response to radically identify ourselves with him? Sure. Right? You know? to die into him. That's right, <laughs> and to die every day in the process. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, this, I, I think, is really among the deepest insights of the Second Vatican Council, showcased mm-hmm. in that wonderful text from Gaudium mm-hmm. et number 22, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and Pope John Paul II, Saint John Paul, I mean, that became the charter of his pontificate, a kind of Christological humanism. God enters into me so that I might somehow enter into him the great mystic exchange yeah. the humanization of god to bring about the divinization of man it's breathtaking yeah, the yes. man can only understand yeah. himself in christ that's right so christ i'm incomplete man known
2: to myself yeah, yeah,
3: yeah i'm not fully myself yeah. until i see christ in me when god became man in a certain sense he became every man yeah. he didn't absorb us yeah. but he assimilates us
1: to himself two images i had uh i took my family one time to see the lion king mm-hmm. the the production yeah. of the Lion King theatrical version. Right. And there was this guy playing Simba, the Lion King, and he's doing these flips. And he's, wow. he's going across the stage and he does this huge flip and then he lands awkwardly on his ankle and falls down. And then the curtain closes and everybody's kind of whispering like, well, what's gonna happen next? And then all of a sudden you hear on the loudspeaker, the role of Simba will now be played by, you know, and they, <laughs> they named the understudy and they opened up the curtain and there was a brand new Simba. So someone had stepped into his role right, yeah, I see. and now was performing the role. Yeah. So when Adam, and, when Adam and Eve fell yeah. and abdicated their, their, their God-given responsibility and sin became a power and enslaved them, yeah. Jesus stepped into that role yeah. and fulfilled perfect righteousness on our behalf. Yeah. And so we, just like when David faced Goliath, David was a champion. And so all of Israel was in David at that moment. Yeah. If David failed, all of Israel would be slaves. If David succeeded, the glory would belong to Israel. Yeah. It's like when we watch the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We, we identify with these American athletes because they're us and we're all in them.
3: Yeah. yeah it's not just representational, it's not a no. kind of symbolism, but representational. Right. He becomes me so that I might become him. And, and you talk about that a
0: little yeah. bit more about just the that transformation of the soul. You mentioned a quote from St. Faustina, I thought that was really beautiful, that, that speaks to this, this, this pr- radical, total transformation that takes place in our heart because of the Lord's blood.
1: Yeah, so... Yeah,
0: the, yeah, maybe you just speak to that, because I love yeah. what you talked about, the blood is that we see blood as, as today's different than the Jews saw
1: blood yeah. at the time. So a lot of times we hear blood and we think horror movies or violence and death, but for the folks in the Old Testament, blood was life. Blood was the giving of life and um, that's what Jesus offers. He gives us his life, his humanity is being offered for us to restore us and that's what we receive. And and so uh, I looked up human blood actually has three properties. It has leukocytes, which destroy disease. It has oxygen, which animates the body and it has DNA, which reproduces. And so the blood of Jesus when applied to our souls It destroys the power of sin. It animates the soul. St. Faustina said, blood is the life of souls. Mm -hmm. And it reproduces the life of the Son of God in us as sons and daughters of the Father. And so we ought to begin, whenever we talk about holiness, we ought to begin with what Jesus has done to make us kadosh, which means that we've been cleansed from sin, we've been marked as, and we belong.
3: This is uh, expressed yeah, so beautifully uh, in what Pope uh, Benedict has called the great icon of Holy Saturday, the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. What what survives uh, is the blood. You see the image of the blood and blood does bespeak life.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, and here is life poured out uh, on behalf of the world. The very
2: same world that conspired to kill him made it possible for that world to be redeemed. Yeah. You know, theologians sometimes say that, you know, one drop of Jesus' blood would have been sufficient to redeem the entire human race. You know, so why bleed that much? Well, if he had six pints, that's how much he wanted to bleed, because the blood shows that he's not just giving the sufficient minimal amount. He's giving himself entirely. And if he had seven pints, he'd drain all seven. I think he, that's what love does. That's the yeah. logic of love. That's the, that's the truth of holiness. Yeah, it
1: says in the Gospels, he showed us the full extent of his love. Yeah. He loved them to the last. To the
3: last. Yep. And the church begins uh, at that moment when his side is pierced. That's right. And the blood and the water flow forth. It's not Pentecost. That's a public manifestation of the church's power and mission. But her birth, her yeah. emergence she crystallizes at that moment uh, on Good Friday when he's
0: pierced And what I think is beautiful about this matter is that all, all the things we've just been talking about what Jesus has done for us it's we've used the word love I don't know two dozen times in the last few minutes but it wasn't Jesus merely following the law which he was obedient to it, right. right but you, you talk a lot about it's not just following the laws it's not just following the rules but it's it's entering into this love affair that, that God has with His people and what mm-hmm. Jesus has with us. And maybe speak to that, because sometimes I think we still think holiness is, I'm just going to do all the right things. Right. So, But it's, well, what you say, it's, yeah. about, it's about this profound, passionate, unexplainable love that caused Jesus to do what He did for us.
1: Yeah. And, and holiness is as much about what we say yes to as it is what we say no to. Yeah. That's beautiful. We have this view of, of holiness being the no fun club. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if it's fun, I can't do it, right. you know, and um, it it really is, as I mentioned, that lifestyle of availability, which is love, it's devotion, it's passion, um, that then enables us at times, sometimes in order for us to say yes, we have to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so. I talk about renunciation being part of growing in holiness because the catechism says without renunciation and spiritual battle, there is no holiness. And so sometimes in order for us to say yes to God, we have to say no to the evil one. You know, when I got married, I, I said yes to my wife and I said no to about... You know, Everybody six else. billion yeah, yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, all at the same time. You so. were dating that many. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't renounce them specifically, but sure. but there was there's yeah, that sense others. of forsaking yeah. all others. Yeah, and sure. and as we grow in holiness, it's a matter of choosing what's best. Yeah, deciding what your one thing is. Yeah, well, yeah. I like how you quote uh, John Paul too, or maybe
3: Christopher West does in that really glowing introduction. That was a nice tribute mm-hmm. he paid you. But but Pope John Paul says. What I must do comes only at the end of the invitation of all that God has already done. First I say yes to Him, and then I I might stumble upon a few prohibitions that I have to observe. But it's really about a love affair, a relationship. You don't get preoccupied with all the negative stuff. You're too focused on what's so overwhelmingly positive, this love affair, this intimate uh, invitation to love and to
0: be able to speak more on love. Stay with us, we'll be back in this a moment.
5: The main obstacle to holiness, I think, is thinking that we're alone in trying to achieve it and also underestimating ourselves in our ability to achieve holiness. God gave us the sacraments for a reason. He gave them to us as outward signs to, which, to confer grace onto us. Um, this grace helps us to achieve holiness. It nourishes our souls so that way we'll have the strength to be able to fight our spiritual battles. We're not fighting them alone. God doesn't just expect us to, to just like, just on our own achieve holiness, achieve perfection, achieve our ultimate end. He gives us the grace through the sacraments in order to achieve holiness. When you see the world through a Catholic lens, you see God's hand at work in human history. You see the true, the good, the beautiful. Franciscan University of Steubenville's Master of Arts in Catholic Studies is an online program that offers courses in literature, biology, art, theology, psychology, all taught from a distinctively Catholic perspective, so you can see the world with Catholic eyes. Find out more about the Masters in Catholic Studies. Go to franciscan.edu slash mcs.
0: Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record here in the ComArt Studio at Franciscan University. Our students are handling all of the cameras and all of the equipment, and our theology professors, Dr. Martin and Dr. Hahn, and I are speaking with Matt Lozano, author of Free to be Holy, Discovering Who You Are in Christ. One of the things you do, Matt, is you talk about, again, and I've said it once, I'll say it again, the really practical things, I really appreciated that, but these, like, what you call ingredients, these ingredients to a life of holiness. What does that look like? What does one actually do? Recognizing that it's the Lord who does it in us, but we make ourselves available to that.
1: So, I tried to keep it very simple uh, and not not get into a laundry list of things that you should do, because to be honest, there's a lot of different ways to be holy. You know, mm-hmm. when we look at saints, there are there are joyful saints, there are grumpy saints, they're there all different expressions sure. of the Lord's righteousness in people. Um, so I didn't want to make it, oh, it has to look this way, but I, I, I narrowed it down to three things. Uh, the first one is purity. Purity involves passion. If you go to Italy and you go to Parma, for example, and, and you want to taste their cheese, <laughs> it has to be up to a certain standard and they don't tolerate anything else yeah. kind of mixed in. And so purity involves passion because it involves love. And a lot of times we, we kind of level off. We say, well, I'm just going to leave that sin there. I'm going to leave that impurity. So purity is one thing that will begin to be expressed in your life. The second one is devotion, that your love start to come into order, uh, that that God becomes the highest. And and so sometimes you'll you'll see an attachment that's revealed, something that you've really clung to that's that's become uh, disordered.
0: Like what, Matt? Name, name a couple of
1: what those might be. Popularity, uh, relationships, money, sex, all good things. All good things that just, they become a source of strength for us. And we consult them before we consult God. It's not not an idol of wood or straw or things like that. It's things that have taken a higher place.
3: Pope Benedict speaks of a bourgeois Christianity that wants to enlarge the comfort zone. It doesn't place any demands upon the self. It's mediocre, and it's really pretty despicable, I mean, pathetic. I mean, if you're going to be a Christian, you you might as well go all in. I mean, you touch on that virtue of magnanimity. You you aspire to the greatest at every moment, uh, every day. And it's curious, uh, it's instructive that both in nature and grace, magnanimity is viewed as the jewel of Mm -hmm. the virtues. Mm -hmm. Aristotle and Aquinas together pronounced it as such. That's when you always aspire towards grandeur, magnificence. Mm -hmm. I want to be the best I possibly can be. I mean, that works both in in the Olympics, but it also works, I think, in the chapel. Mm And
1: then the third ingredient is integrity, a sense of uh, that you're the same person wherever you go, that God yeah. is bringing together the different forms of you. And, and sometimes we separate those, we compartmentalize our lives. And we see this in the, in the life of St. Peter is a great example. Yeah. You know, he's one person alone with the Lord. He's another person around the fire with the soldiers. Yeah. And God working in grace through repentance to bring him to a place Here's the thought I had. What if Peter was being guarded by the same guards when he's thrown into the, the temple jail that he was warming himself with right. yeah. when he denied the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. And we know that he was questioned by the same people. Yeah. And the boldness that comes through him, through that, yeah. w- that working of God's grace, he becomes yeah. someone yeah. Uh, full of integrity that yeah. his life has a consistent message right. mm-hmm. from one, one part
2: to the next right. you know it really is a precipitous fall for Peter you know after having been forewarned by our Lord in the <laughs> upper room mm-hmm. you know and and when they lock eyes you know Peter doesn't say yeah you're amazing how'd you know you know he, he weeps and yeah. and, he, and, he, and he runs in, in shame. But the fact that charcoal fire only occurs twice in John's Gospel, chapter 18, where he's denying him three times, right. and then chapter 21, where he is reaffirming his love. Wow. But it's not as though Jesus doubted his love, but Peter did. And so to see the precipitous fall of our first Pope, you know, the Prince of the Apostles, it's a reminder of the, of the riskiness of pursuing holiness. Because if you just wanna be at ease in Zion, you you don't approach the temple. You might just mingle with the crowds, but you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's true for married couples, Mm -hmm. as well as the clergy, you know, fornication is a mortal sin, but adultery is more heinous, you know. And so Israel's infidelity is always likened to adulterous Mm -hmm. infidelity, you know. But even more, Aaron, his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, who accompanied him up the mountain with Moses to see the glory of God. They presume to go into the Holy of Holies, presumably, you know, in Leviticus 10, and they're struck dead Mm -hmm. because they're offering unholy fire, which seems to translate into the fact that they went in drunk, you know. So marriage is like the holy place, the saints say. Clergy, the priesthood is like the Holy of Holies but we're all called to different states of life, but we're all called to be saints in whatever state. And At the same time, we're all called to confession. Mm -hmm. We're we're called to penance and to recognize that we are holy, but we have fallen radically short of it. But Jesus is not saying, I'm bringing you to the fire to burn you for denying me through times, you know. I, you know, I think Peter is a, a work in progress, and I think uh, yeah. it, it's worth
3: studying uh, his life. I don't know if you've seen uh, The Chosen, mm-hmm. but my, my impression of Peter is this guy is a real jerk. Uh, he's irritating, <laughs> annoying, uh-huh. and uh, I, I just want to punch him in the face. Really but is. in fact, he grows. <laughs> he stumbles, he falls, he makes a complete fool of himself, and yet he gets up again, uh, and he's, he's, his heart is large. He's yeah. impulsive impetuous uh, and and you really want to trip him up but he trips himself up often enough Mm -hmm. but he always gets up again and he's contrite i mean the fact that when john and he run to the empty tomb and john waits to allow peter to go in first that's an extraordinary lesson i think in humility and of course in the hierarchy of the church peter is pope he belongs inside that tomb before john but in terms of holiness of life i mean john is a much better man he didn't walk out on Jesus. He stood steadfast, resolute at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Peter was hiding like like the others. And yet he defers to Peter because he represents, he represents the holiness of office. Yeah. The I the mean, the fact that God can write straight with a line as crooked as Peter, I think gives the rest of us some hope.
0: My suspicion yeah. is in this, uh, if Peter would have been Pope today in the world of social media and the media, uh, He would not have done so well. (laughs) One of the things that that you talk about, Matt, is is that we ultimately identify. You you used actually in the very first segment, you talked about an identity question, and and the invitation is ultimately to identify ourselves with Christ, to identify ourselves as sons and daughters of God. But you said that there's a tension that sometimes we identify ourselves with the flesh. Yeah. So maybe make a distinction in that for us.
1: So for me, in my battle to grow in holiness, I, I would experience days of great victory. And then Gray's days of just devastating confusion and disappointment, and yeah. I, I felt like there were two me's. Like, am I the prayerful, generous, open-hearted person, or I'm the selfish, yeah. lustful, you know, uh, self-seeking person? W- which one is me? Right, right. You know, yeah. and I was identifying myself with my flesh, yeah, which is the human nature under the power of sin, and so. I remember this moment of praying to the Lord and saying, God, I'm such a lousy sinner. And he said, why are you identifying with what my son died to separate you from? Yeah. In other words, why are, why are you choosing to identify with what my son died yeah. to separate? Why are you seeing that as yourself? Yeah. You are not the sins that you commit. And that was a revelation for me um, because
2: I just... I just thought that my my flesh was me. Mm. You know, Paul can say Oh wretched man that I am Mm -hmm. and not simply wretched man that I was you know, who can deliver me from this body of flesh? It really tracks with what you just said because the very next thing is the beginning of Romans 8, which speaks of freedom more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 18 times in just one chapter, but it's like, thanks be to God because Christ has delivered me through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can't deny the fact that we're wretched, Mm self-worshiping jerks at times. (laughs) But at the same time, we just, like you say, we don't, define ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. We define ourselves in terms of this higher union with Christ. And I, yeah. I think that availability, you know, a lifestyle of availability is exactly what Paul is signaling to yeah. us. Yeah. So I encourage people to think of themselves, you know, those lawn
1: decorations that kind of blow up, you know, like yeah, Santa Claus and day. reindeer and things like, imagine two of them that look just like you. Yeah. One of them is sturdy and it's bright and it's filled with air and it, it just it looks like you. The other one is lifeless, it's dead, the air is blown out right. of it, it's been right. unplugged. Yeah. That's what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. He's unplugged us yeah. from the power of sin and he's plugged us into the life of Christ. Yeah, the oxygen of grace. And so what if the next time you sin, instead of saying, Oh, that's me, that's who I always will be, right. you say, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. That's not me. Right. Christ in me didn't do that. Right. I can walk away from that. Yeah. You see, because when we know that our flesh has been, t- been crucified. Yeah. When we know it's dead and that it's no longer us, then we can be as violent as we need to be with the desires that come towards our flesh because we're not afraid that it is us. Right, right. And so it's that freedom to recognize, yes, I have concupiscence, I have this tendency, Sure. but the desires themselves, the things that are... I don't have to see that as myself. Right, yeah. And a lot of believers, we get caught up. Oh, in sure. Yeah, I mean, you're obsessed by the guilt
3: and the grief that sin induces. But you you, you need to stop and and take stock of what Christ has already done. His grace Mm -hmm. is greater than your guilt. Yeah. Uh, So, relax. Uh, You're going to be all right. I mean, Pope Francis has a beautiful meditation about people falling down, stumbling all the time. He says, but the worst fall
2: is when you fall and you don't get up. Yeah. Once you do that, it's over. You know, I had this experience of going to, I mean, you've done prison ministry, I suspect, before, but I went to the UP, the Upper Peninsula, to a maximum security federal prison. Were you an inmate? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I narrowly escaped. (laughs) But the experience of driving up with the bishop and a priest friend of mine, and you know, celebrating the baptism of certain inmates, as well as the confirmation of others, and seeing people in maximum security, lockdown, prison type, and some of them had gone through solitary confinement, but to see the joy, and not just the joy of those who were newly baptized or confirmed, but to see the joy of their brothers who are in, in mm-hmm. prison, you know, and they, some of them have life sentences, mm-hmm. and they had a freedom And it it was, it brings a tear in my eye because I remember leaving and telling the bishop and my priest friend, you know, I wish I could have that kind of freedom in the world. Mm -hmm. And the priest friend said, you have it, just lay claim to it, you know? And I'm like, this whole trip was worth it for that Mm -hmm. experience of freedom in this maximum security place so far away from everything. One time I was was praying
1: and I I had just sinned and I, I felt terrible about it and I said, I prayed the prayer of David, create in me a clean heart. And you know what the Father said to me? I already did. Mm. You know, start living from it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was others.
1: the realization that, right. yeah. <laughs> that the life of Christ was available and present for me to live from. Right. And, yeah. and that's what they've tapped into. I, you know, one of the, the words you, you said, word said right
0: use the word guilt. And um, when, when people come to confession to me, I try to distinguish between guilt and shame is that guilt, we, we make see the same sin. But guilt, in its proper understanding, leads us to conversion, leads us to relationship, leads us to confession. Shame is what what paralyzes us. Shame is what defines ourselves by our brokenness and by our sin. We could actually be looking at the very same thing, but our response to that is one is graced and one is, as you refer, one is of the flesh that continues to cause us, like, I can't go before the Lord again. Not again. And that's the flesh speaking, it's not the Spirit speaking through us.
2: Yeah. You're hiding from shame, from mm-hmm. the face of the Father. As you point out, it's no longer a fatherly face, it's the face of an angry yeah. master, you know, yeah. right. we're nothing but employees or, or slaves. But yeah. when you turn, you know, that's why it's best, it's so good to remind ourselves that it's reconciliation. Yeah, it's yeah. not the
0: sacrament of sin.
2: Yeah. It's the <laughs> sacrament of reconciliation. <laughs> right. And so it's a relationship that's restored yeah. from on high, but in a certain sense, that's what makes it so unbreakable. Yeah. Yep.
0: And, and, and to be able to, to go on this journey, because one of the things you said is the saints and how different the saints are. One of the things I often reflect on is the one thing, with the exception of our Blessed Mother, that all the saints had in common was they sinned, right? <laughs> that there was, yeah. but, but they continually gave themselves to the mercy of God and yeah. allowed His grace to transform them. Yeah. Amen. Well, stay with us. Uh, our panels will give our final reflections here in just a moment. Stay with us.
5: I think it all comes down to
0: recognizing your need for God's grace like in your life and realizing that you can't do it on your own. So, like overcoming that
5: pride has to come through like turning to God, like whether it is through prayer and just like the sacraments and like kind of leaning more on him and recognizing like your own inability to overcome those mistakes on your own because like we can't Do it on our own, and like we can't overcome that on our own. So, like, we need to recognize our need for God and then invite Him into our life to like change our desires and like
0: make us whole again.
5: There is a place where education begins and faith and reason connect. Franciscan University of Steubenville's online programs will advance your career through an e learning experience that's both academically excellent and passionately Catholic. With online degrees taught by full-time professors in theology, catechetics, business, education, and other disciplines, you can earn your master's degree online without changing your lifestyle. Find out more today at franciscan.edu, where your faith and career can connect online.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. So, Regis, if you'd like to give your final thoughts. Yeah,
3: I was really struck by that distinction, Father, you drew between guilt and shame. Uh, I I really uh, cherish that. But uh, at the same time, I was thinking of a line from George Bernanos, from his masterpiece, The Diary of a country priest where he says, blessed be sin if it teaches you shame. But I think it's a mistranslation. I think what he means is guilt, not something that disables and paralyzes, but something that somehow rivets your attention on the Holy One uh, whom you should be conforming your life to. And it's good that you have fallen because now you know, I've got to get up, but I can't get up on my own. I need Jesus to raise me from the ground. And, and then I, I thought of this, this beautiful poem. It's a sonnet. Um, I, I can't, I can't uh, repeat every, all 14 lines, but it's by George Herbert. And it's a wonderful antidote to the kind of Jansenism that would zero in uh, on your unworthiness and be fixated always on the fact that you're going to go to hell. I mean, I mean, there's no percentage in that. <laughs> Therese, the little flower, never thought about hell. She was too busy thinking about Jesus. But in this poem, which is called Love, it's a dialogue between uh, the sinner and Christ. And everything begins with Christ. He, he issues the invitation, love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, watching me grow slack from his first entrance in, drew nearer to me to ask, to question if I lacked anything. And the sinner says, well, I'm not a guest. I'm not worthy to be here. And love says, you shall be he. Mm -hmm. And he says, I, the ungrateful one? Somehow my dust and sin disqualify me. But it doesn't. They don't disqualify uh, the... The, the soul at all. The fact that you have dust is exactly why you're mortal, and the sin can be taken care of. You've been invited to the banquet, and it's almost as if the seating is not complete until you sit down. The whole banquet has been prepared for you. I mean, that's pretty freeing.
0: That's beautiful. That's very. Beautiful. I think you got most of the 14 lines, by the way. <laughs> wow. Final thoughts, Scott?
2: I think I appreciated this book, although I didn't finish it. I got about three quarters through it. Um, but I appreciated it, especially after having spent two or three years working, doing research on my book on holiness, Mm -hmm. Holy is His Name, the transformative power of God's holiness in scripture, where I'm working with definitions and distinctions and all kinds of theological stuff that is objectively true. The last chapter is practical, you know, but your whole book is practical. (laughs) This is like the phenomenology, the psychology, the spirituality of receiving all of that truth subjectively in the heart, not just the head. You know, and holiness is a race. Well, writing about it is a relay race. I feel like I should pass the baton (laughs) (laughs) onto you to help people really overcome the obstacles and then make the decisions to make a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And incrementally, it doesn't have to be this dramatic, you know, Good Friday to Easter Sunday, our Lord did that. But He wants to transform us. And in a certain sense, He needs to do it gradually Otherwise, we're just gonna back ourselves into pride and then a whole new set of falls. Um, But I I must say, thank you for doing this because I felt for years that the need to understand holiness has become so, Mm -hmm. so great. I mean, it's always true, but it's urgently so now for clergy and laity alike, but the how-to is what you really do and I'm grateful. Thanks, Thanks. appreciate that. Final thoughts, Matt.
1: Yeah, I just wanna encourage everyone that The the whole point of the book is to help people to really abandon themselves to God's grace, to trust that His mercy, His blood, His sacrifice is more than sufficient, uh, and to build from there. I want to encourage everyone to have a vision of a holy God, to be aware of His transcendent majesty, and then also have a vision of who you are in Him. to have a vision that that His righteousness does actually live in you. Um, And then one one exercise, you know, in Romans it talks about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy Holy. and pleasing, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So I want to encourage everyone in in your times of prayer to take a look at your body. You could take a look at your hands and just say, Father, I consecrate my hands to You for the demonstration of Your righteousness. I consecrate my eyes to You. I consecrate my ears to You. I consecrate my mind. I offer it as a holy living sacrifice to please You. And to just begin to walk in that. And so so you've consecrated your hands. What can I do with my hands today? That would be a demonstration of who Jesus is in the world how might I use my hands to to demonstrate kindness? Whether it's holding the door for someone, or paying for someone, or or giving a hug, or something like that. How do I live with the reality of, these hands are holy, this mind is holy, this body is a living sacrifice? Um, Because then there's joy, Mm -hmm. because then you're discovering what you were made for, and you're discovering who Christ is in you.
0: Amen, thank you so much, Matt. If you'd like to hear more about the topic that we've discussed today, there's a free handout, chapter one of Matt's book, uh, Free to Be Holy. This short selection, the short selection is yours if you, by simply going to online presents or by calling the number we will provide momentarily. Uh, as we were having this conversation, I was recalling a men's conference that I was at. I think it was in Columbus, Ohio, one time. I, and I really resonated with what you said at the beginning about nobody really sees themselves as holy. So I do this thing, I say, you know, uh, whoever's holy, go ahead and stand up. Well, this gentleman stands up and there goes the whole talk because my point has got to be nobody stands up yeah. so that they can make my point. So I, I kind of played that off. and went on. And and he came up to me afterwards and he said, uh, what did you say? He said, (laughs) whoever's holy. And and he said, oh, I thought you said whoever's elderly. (laughs) So, he stood up. But it it speaks of of the issue, I think, that, that you and Scott, your book as well, this, I can be holy, you can be holy, you can be holy, because God is holy. Right, it, it, It's nothing that, that I've necessarily done, and that's why I really loved your explanation, Matt, about simply making myself available, making myself available to the Lord, getting the things out of the way, that self-emptying that we hear in the Scriptures, and then just allowing the Lord to do what He wants to do. I mean, there's a reason that it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to make us holy, wants to sanctify us, wants to change us. And, and the, I think it's just straight from the depths of hell, this, this attitude that says, not me. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else, that person, this person, but not me. And, and I'm on the other side. It's like, well, why not me? Right? Mm-hmm. Why not me? It, it's the spirit of Jesus that wants to operate. And, and who are we to say no to that? And, and who are we to say no to what he wants to be able to do in our life? So I continually appreciated your reflections on holiness. And, and the last is, is, and I think you said so beautifully, and that is to own it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the reality that the Lord is called by our baptism, He's made us a priest, prophet, and king, and in that, um, we are to be made holy, we are to be sanctified. And, and to go what I thought you were gonna say earlier, uh, Regis, and that is that we are now called to go out. And, and when you're talking yeah. about Saint, uh, Vatican II, is part of the uh, gift of Vatican II is this challenge that we have to sanctify yeah. the world. Mm. In the same way that we have been sanctified, in the same the way that we have been holy, what we are now invited to do is to make the world holy. Yeah. You do it in your marriages, hopefully I do it in my community, and the university. But holiness is not a private possession, it's something that needs to be recognized and seen and shared with the world. So thank you so much for reminding us of that. So we, pray, we close with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the call that you've placed on our life. We thank you for your grace that has been revealed to us. We thank you for conversion. Uh, Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit to continue to bless us bless those who are viewing this program, that they would recognize and claim their call to be holy. May the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, man.
4: Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com presents. You can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents, or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu. Or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447. That's 800-783-6447.